All right. Today we're going to start a brand new series entitled The Heart. On September 10th of 2018, last year, the church council and the staff sat together for a whole council meeting and we brainstormed and we thought about this question, who does God want us to be at Clarksburg Baptist Church? Here's the uh, whiteboard from that night and ignore all the terrible handwriting and spelling errors because it's hard to talk at the same time as you write on a, white, uh, a whiteboard. Um, but you're going to see some things up there that uh, we talked about. Well, we said we wanted to be like Jesus. We said we wanted to be genuine, to be a church that empowers the generation behind us, a church that multiplies disciples and leaders. We said we wanted to be a passionate church, authentic, a praying church, a church that goes to where the people are, a church that serves instead of expecting to be served, and a church that likes to take time for others. Well, there's one particular thing that stood out to me that night that we talked about wanting to be the heart of Clarksburg. And what does that mean to me? Well, that means we want to have a heart like Jesus and a heart for Harrison County and Clarksburg, West Virginia. Now, since that night, there's been several times over the past few months where there was an opportunity available to us, and that phrase came to mind. Well, we said we wanted to be the heart of Clarksburg. And that shows the importance of vision and uh, direction because it makes priorities clear and distractions less enticing. I'm constantly surprised by all that this church does behind the scenes that sometimes and many times I don't even know about. Life groups helping families in need without anybody asking them to. Deacons visiting the widows and the sick without uh, much recognition or credit. CR changing this city in amazing ways. We have so many other uh, organizations, drug treatment uh, uh, ministries and uh, other people that meet here at this church. It's almost too many to name, like Patar and Re uh, Recovery Coaches, the Change Initiative, Sober Living, Young Life, One King Sports, uh, the Clarksburg Mission. There's so much that goes on at this building that uh, God is doing amazing things through. Now, buildings are not the church, obviously. They're not important in the long run. In heaven, we're not going to boast about how beautiful our building was. It's the people that are the church and the people that are important. However, this building is making a difference in Clarksburg. And God has abundantly blessed us since that meeting on September 10th. Uh, when we sat together and we talked about our vision. On two different occasions, God has given us large chunks of money that we had no idea was coming, and that is going to enable us to fix some desperately urgent needs like the roof of this building uh, so that we don't have to put up a bucket when it uh, rains particularly hard. Uh, but we're also praying about some big things and thinking about some big things that God could help us do uh, with a large portion of that money to be able to help uh, further God's kingdom across the world through missions and reaching out here in this community. Because the Bible tells us that when we're faithful with the little things, he can trust us with more. And we want to do more, not for our glory, but for God's glory. So here's the big question for this series. Does what moves the heart of Jesus move me? 
Does what move the heart, moves the heart of Jesus move me? Does what God cares about matter to me? Are the things that are uh, important to me important to God? So in this three series, uh, three week series, we're going to ask that question. Does what move, uh, moves the heart of God move us? Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, says that Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, kingdom and healing every disease and affliction. But look at this. It says, when he saw the crowds, when he saw the people, he had compassion for them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. And then he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. He says, look at all these people. They're lost. They're confused. They're helpless. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Another version says it this way. When he saw the crowd, he was moved with compassion for them because they were confused and helpless. They were lost. And that's what it means when we say that lost. Uh, it's not an insult. We're not saying they're lost causes. What we're saying is they need to be found. They need to be found by Jesus Christ. But before we go any further, let's define what the heart means. It says here that Jesus had compassion. His heart was moved here. Now, obviously, we don't mean the organ that pumps oxygenated blood throughout the you know, whole body. That's not what we're talking about. It's not an organ. Now, the heart is the seat of our emotions. It's where we feel. We tell people, have a heart or you broke my heart. That's what we mean. It's what we feel. Now, personally, I'm not someone that experiences a lot of what people call feelings. I have one, basically, and it's anger. It's not a great one to come out because I don't think sarcasm is emotion, right? It's just, it's just the one, then. But it's kind of funny, also, when you think about it and you study it out, the heart wasn't always seen as the seat of the emotions. In Indonesia, traditionally, it's the liver, uh, you broke my liver, right? Yeah, that would be weird, right? In the Old Testament, it tends to use the word bowels, uh, which my bowels move for you isn't what you want to say to your wife. So they moved on from that one, I think. But the heart is the seat of the emotions. Jesus felt for these people because they were lost and wandering like sheep lost in a wilderness. Jesus saw those people's needs were deeper than just physical need. They needed more than just uh, to be healed from disease. They needed spiritual healing. They had no direction. They had no hope. They had no shepherd. So Jesus tells those disciples, these people are lost and confused. They're plentiful. They're all around you. There's so many of them. And so few people are actually trying to help. So pray that God sends people to help them. And you can't look around Clarksburg without it being clear that people are lost, confused, no direction, no hope, just wandering. And I believe Jesus' heart is moved with compassion when he sees Harrison County. I believe his heart breaks for those people who wander about like a sheep without a shepherd. And we need to pray that God sends people to help those lost sheep. But let me warn you first, sometimes 
You're the answer to your own prayer. Luke 19, 41, Jesus again weeps. His heart's moved. He feels something. This time in verse 41, it says Jesus drew near and saw the city, the city of Jerusalem. And what did he do? He wept over it. He said, would that you even had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. He says, the day will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground. You and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Jesus weeps as he says these things. He saw this people full, uh, uh, this city full of people that needed and were waiting for a savior, but, they, but he knew that they were going to miss it and he wept of that thought. His heart was broken for them. He knew the pain and destruction that was coming in their future. He knew that they were without hope. And he also knew he was the answer, but they missed it. And today in our county, there are people waiting for a savior right now. They're waiting. They don't even know it. They, they, they look for that savior in drugs or in alcohol or in the arms of someone else. They look for that savior in their bank account. They look for that savior in the approval of others, in gambling, in promotion and praise. But I believe Jesus weeps for them because he knows the answer and he knows that they're missing it. And it's him. Our mission here, as we define it, is to make disciples that make disciples, not just for God, but for their sake as well. Our mission was given to us by Jesus Christ. And we gather, grow, and give all to make disciples. Verse 28 of Matthew chapter 28, Jesus gave us that mission. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. And here's the command. He says, go, therefore. Go, not stay, not wait, not sit around. Go, therefore, and make disciples of who? Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And then he gives you a warning. Don't be scared. I know sharing Jesus might cause you to freak out, but he says, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. If we want to be the heart of Clarksburg, the heart of Harrison County, then we need to love people, lost people, people that are wandering and hurting and without hope. And if we want to love what God loves, we have to love people. That means undesirables, unlovables, people that don't bring a lot to the table. And that's people like me and you. The Bible commands us to tell them about Jesus and see them saved and baptized, added to the church and discipled. But see, too often we rely on that idea, well, everyone knows that I'm a Christian. But that's not telling people about Jesus. You know why? It's because we have a big messaging problem with the Christian faith. Christian doesn't mean a lot to people anymore. Because Christians have a reputation for being ignorant and bigoted and brash and hateful. And the only way for us to fight that is with love, 
with no strings attached. See, I, I've tried many times and done some different things, especially in our last youth group, where we would go out and we would either try and wash cars for people without asking for money or hand out food or something like that. And you would always uh, have them say, well, why are you doing this? Why? This doesn't make sense. Why are you out here washing cars for, uh, for us? It doesn't make, and they were, they were, some of them even didn't want it because they were never, uh, they were never convinced that we weren't trying to pull some type of, uh, you know, trick over their eyes or ask for donations at the end or whatever it may be. People are skeptical when you do things with no strings attached. And that's what needs to be on the front of who we are. Unity, forgiveness, grace, mercy, serving others, not looking to be served. And these are the most important things, so we need to talk about them the most. And that's the question, Christian, that's the question, member of Clarksburg Baptist Church. Out of all the words that you speak in a day, how many of them are about Jesus? We would say that he's the most important thing to us, but politics gets the majority of our words, sports gets all the airtime, selfies get all our feed time. If people looked at the words that you speak and the time that you spent on things, would they come away thinking that Jesus was the most important thing to you? See, we've got a big messaging problem that we've got to fight against. So we have to make sure the main thing is the main thing. We have to talk about Jesus. We have to love people. We have to forgive when it's hard and it doesn't make sense so that when people look at us, they can see that person loves Jesus. Because here's what it boils down to. People go to hell. Do we care? People go to hell. Ed Stetzer says this, and this is a long quote, but it's good, so follow along with me. He said it in his book called Comeback Churches, where they surveyed a thousand churches in the United States that had come back from years of decline or plateau. They had a problem, people didn't want what they had, and then they made some changes and they saw growth. This is what he says. He says, most Christians don't like lost people. We wish it were not so, but it is. Lost people don't think like us. They often don't vote like us. They often influence our kids. They don't know our inside references to James Dobson left behind and Dave Ramsey. They're not our people. But let's face it, people outside of Christ can be messy. Most of the time, there is at least you know, one or more divorce, meaning they have blended families. Maybe there's credit card de uh, debt that's so high that they can never be financial givers to the church. Their kids can be unruly, putting marks on clean walls of the church, uh, building and running around unrestrained. They don't often know the unspoken cues of our church, when we're supposed to stand, how we act, what version of the Bible that we read. And when the pastor asks questions, they don't realize that you're not supposed to call out loud. But comeback churches, churches that came back from decline, made the hard decision that they were going to love the lost as much as Jesus did. See, we know that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. 
He told us that in Luke's gospel. So the question for us is, are we really willing to love those pagans, those heathens, those lost people that are often not very lovable for us? And actually what the issue comes down to is normally we want God to clean them up before we catch them. But the need to reach them in whatever condition we find them often requires us to make changes in the way that we do things. And we don't want to do that, right? I heard another quote that said, uh, we only make changes when the pain of staying the same is too much. So we finally make changes. And you often see that in church. If things are going okay, and then the finances are all right, and attendance doesn't drop dramatically, nobody wants to make a change. But once uh, you know, the, the membership dwindles down to 50, then they need to say, oh, right, what do we got to do? There's, there's a problem here. But let's not be that church. Let's look around and look for those people that need Jesus and make sure that we're doing a, jo- a good job reaching them. So we have to find ways to love lost people the way that they are. And that's hard work. Why? Because we're proud and we think we're better than them. Let's think about what Jesus did when he picked Zacchaeus out of the crowd in Luke 19. Old Zac was not exactly the most popular guy around town. Jesus not only spoke to him, but he also asked to visit his house. You could almost hear the collective gasp. How could Jesus go over to someone's house like Zacchaeus, much less talk to him? And as the scripture says, all the people saw this and they began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of sinners. Are we making anyone mutter about the lost people that are being reached in our churches? If so, rejoice, you are in good company. William Temple once said, the church is the only organization organized primarily for the benefit of its non-members. Is that how we're set up? Are we set up to reach people or to comfort the already saved, the already Christians. So members of Clarksburg, we have to, members of CBC, we have to know that the main purpose of church is not you. It's not me. When was the last time you complained about something that was standing in the way of someone coming to Jesus instead of complaining about something that made your life a little bit less convenient? The main point is not you, it's not me, it's Jesus and reaching the people that do not know him. Everyone in the church needs to be involved in this mission. We need to be involved in reaching the lost and hopeless. And there's three different ways that you can be involved. And we need to be involved in all three of them. Maybe you're going to start with one and you'll work on the next, but you got to start. The first one is this. We all need to be prayers. The Bible tells us that we need to pray for the lost to come to him. 1 Timothy 2, 1 says, First of all, then I urge that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings, for all those who are in authority, so that we may lead tranquil, uh, tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and it pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Every single one of us in this room can pray for the church's outreach to be effective. 
and pray for specific outreach events like the Super Bowl party, like the snow program. There is no excuse. Each and every one of us needs to be prayers. Second thing that we need to do is we should be bringers. Andrew Simon Peter's brother had followed Jesus, and the first thing Andrew did was he went and found his brother Simon and told him this in John 1. He said, we have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. And then he brought him to Jesus. Each and every one of us in this room, if you're a member here, if you're a devoted Christian, we all need to be prayers. We all need to be bringers. And lastly, each and every one of us should be tellers. 2 Timothy 4, 5 tells us to do the work of an evangelist. See, God has already put some tellers here in our church already, but we need a church made up of tellers. We need each and every one of you to be prayers and bringers and tellers, and me included. And when we fulfill our roles, true transformation will occur. You will see a difference. We will see revival. Now, each and every one of us have different gifts and abilities, but sharing the gospel is something that you cannot sit out on. That is not something that says, well, that's not my gift. If you're saved, it is. You got it. The Bible commands you to go and tell and make and baptize and teach. David Platt says, making disciples among the nations is a command to obey and not a suggestion to consider. Unreached, unbelievers, lost people, they move the heart of God. Do they move your heart? And here's the big question for us as a church. Does what moves the heart of Jesus move me? We saw Jesus here moved with compassion. We saw him moved to tears when he thought about those lost, those wandering, those sheep without a shepherd. Does what God cares about matter to me? Are the things that I find the most important things, are they the most important to God? You may be confused about that. How would I tell that? You can tell where your money goes. You can tell where your time goes. You can tell how your words are used. Those are the things that are important to you. And that's going to be our focus this year. God, who do you want us to be? God, what do you want us to be? What do you want us to do? Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw a multitude of people around him, confused and broken and hurt and without hope. Do the lost move you? Do you really believe that people go to hell? Are you okay with that? Because God's not. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And you are plan A. There is no plan B. Are you willing to commit to be a prayer, a bringer, a teller? Because if we want to be a heart, the heart of Clarksburg, we have to have a heart for the people in Harrison County, a heart like Jesus. When Jesus saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, confused and lost like sheep without a shepherd. Lost souls move Jesus' heart. Do they move your heart? With every head bowed and eyes closed. This is a big challenge this morning, and it's a challenge for me. And I almost like it that we've got 
the core people here. Because you need to understand when you look around the room and you think, well, someone else is going to do this. You are the someone else. You are the one. We've got to be prayers and bringers and tellers because there's people that are lost and without hope waiting for you to walk by in front of the courthouse and say, Jesus loves you. They're waiting for you to speak those words. They don't even know that. They're looking for a savior. They're looking for it in other things. And they would, might even say, I had a bad experience with church. I don't even know if I believe in God. I don't even, uh, you know, the whole Bible thing, I'm not even sure. But when you show somebody the love of Christ, when you suffer with joy in your heart, knowing that it's all about the next life, that's when we can make a difference in this world. The government's not going to fix Harrison County. Charities and all that are great and we should support them. But the gospel is the only thing that will change this city and this town. The lost, the hurt, the broken, the abandoned, the underserved... They move the heart of Jesus. Those that are dying in, in, in going to hell, those that are, lives are wrecked by divorce, their hands are chained by addiction, they matter to Jesus, even though they don't matter to society because we look at them and they say they don't make any contributions, they're living on disability, they're living on welfare, and we have all these excuses as to why that we can't care about them or we don't want to. It's their fault. No, they need Jesus. And I'm going to take a few minutes myself. And I'm going to ask God to make me a teller make me a prayer, to make me a bringer and to do the mission that God has left me to do. As the music plays, you think over those things and meditate on what God's speaking to your heart this morning.